You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. If you work in sales, today's episode is for you. And if you don't work in sales, today's episode is still for you. Our guest, Christina, is so savvy and so skilled in sales, marketing, and mindset. And whether you are selling services to entrepreneurs, shoes in Nordstrom, or vegetables to a toddler, I think you'll find value in all of these specific strategies she's spelling today. She walks us through her eight-step sales conversation and really highlights the difference between icky selling and sincere sharing and dives into the mindset of pricing yourself too. Because while most people think their business needs fixing, it's actually your mind. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And without further ado, welcome Christina. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yay, I'm so happy to have you on Thrive. I know you are a marketing girl like myself, but also a mindset coach, which is so cool. And I know we also share a lot of the same core values, which is awesome. But um, okay, I know you were in sales for 14 years. You consulted for a digital company that was a partner of Facebook's, which is wild. You became a senior sales manager by 24. You've done wedding planning. You have done it all. So tell us all about you, who you are, what you do. Give us your story. Yeah, uh, quite the story, but I'll keep it short. <laughs> I, um, I, I'm i a career-long saleswoman. I started in sales. It was my first job. I was 16 and stayed in sales ever, ever since. I've done a lot of... Um, a lot of like MLM, like network marketing and door knocking. I've done all of the crazy aggressive sales and I, I loved, I loved it because I was able to build relationships. I just find like my natural ability to connect with people and build relationships. It was my way of like helping them um, achieve their goals because I knew that I think I was around 17 or 18 years old where I wanted to be like a mindset coach, a life coach. And I'm just like, I have, who do, what do I know at that age? Like I'm, I've barely done life myself. And so I kind of went through the journey of that. And, you know, I had my mom in the back of my ear who is actually, um, well, was an entrepreneur. My dad had a a business and she was always like, get a corporate job, get a corporate job, uh, get the benefits and all of that beautiful stuff. And, um, I was just, I was just so dedicated to sales, but throughout that, I actually had a marketing sales job in corporate (laughs) come across me and I ended up taking the opportunity and I got hired. And so I kind of fell in love with digital sales and that's where I learned uh, all about online marketing. I was selling online digital real estate spaces to clients across um, Canada. So Facebook, Facebook, their ads, SEM, SEO, all of that stuff, and really just fell in love with it. And throughout that journey, I just knew I had that deeper calling, but I wasn't able to find my footing. I didn't know, I didn't even know the online world really existed. And I thought it was more like being an influencer or a fitness coach. And I'm like, I, it's not, that's not for me. And so I went through that journey of trying to like self-discovery and find out my 
where I wanted to go. I did have a life coach at that time and also did have a wedding planning business. And throughout that journey and working with coaches, I actually discovered the online world of digital marketing and being able to take all of my experience and, you know, tie it up in a nice little bow and be able to help my clients um, really boldly claim their success and be able to amplify their voice and be able to increase their influence and and impact without having to sacrifice their health and relationships because I know when I was in the wedding planning industry and just me myself I I wear I used to wear busy like a badge of honor and so I just forgot to live a life. <laughs> I was just too busy creating one that I forgot to live my own. And so I made that promise to myself when I transitioned over that I was going to, you know, kind of hustle with purpose and have more balance. And um, so here I am, I ended up creating the S method, which really enables my clients to gain massive clarity and confidence and be able to have a purpose-driven strategy that aligns with them so that they can take consistent action and implement. Cause I think that's like a big piece that a lot of people don't do is, you know, they're kind of just chasing, chasing the shiny objects. And so I really just help them imp- consistently implement with a purpose-driven strategy so that they can reach their goals. And um, yeah, that, that, that's a little bit about me and my story <laughs> and how I got here. <laughs> that's awesome. I didn't realize you had worked really, truly like every single form of sales you can possibly find yourself in. So now I'm yeah. curious, <laughs> what what would you say is like one common thread between or one essential thing that kind of is the same, whether you are in network marketing and an MLM or whether you are a car salesman or whether you're selling real estate or whether you're selling shoes at a Nordstrom, is there any sort of specific sales strategy that you would say applies universally, unilaterally across every single every single um, vertical? Yeah, the, the key is it's the relationship. It's the enthusiasm of what you bring to the table and like truly wholeheartedly like loving and believing in what you are doing and coming from that place of service. Because I, a lot of times people think sales is like icky, but um, it's really like sincere selling. It's sincere sharing. And it's, I found like the really biggest common thread is really making people feel heard, loved, understood, and like really giving that that undivided attention and speaking to them like a friend, like really creating and cultivating that relationship with them and getting to know them as that person. And um, yeah, I I would say the relationship core of that is, is like the sum of it all and being able to relate to them. And I found that the biggest what made the biggest difference um, for me, it wasn't, it, it was just more embodying who I am myself and being able to be funny and be able to build that relationship off like humor. And I found that that was really like the biggest difference of where I've seen the clients say yes and where I've seen them say no. Um, and it kind of just came down to the energy behind how I was showing up. Interesting. So what do you think, if there are any, what do you think is like the biggest misconception about working in sales? That you have to use these scary tactics to make people buy from you, which is 
pretty much what I call manipulation. Like a lot of <laughs> I was about to say, it sounds like psychological manipulation. <laughs> Sometimes people think that that's what you have to go because that have to do because we've all had a like we've all had a poor sales experience we've all been sold something we didn't want or didn't need and maybe have even felt like a number at some point so we've all experienced that and I think when we are in entering a sales conversation it's um we naturally have our guard up right we are naturally on autopilot of giving an objection because we want to be safe um and so i i would say that a lot of times people think and have those icky feelings that they think that they need to use these scare tactics or they feel like in the beginning of a conversation where you're like fact finding and asking questions it's you're asking those questions only for the purpose to throw it back on them when really it's to understand if you can help this person and like really understanding what it is that they need and being able to provide that um, if you can so i would say not having to use scare tactics is um, something that a lot of people feel like they need to do. Can you give us an example? Because I'm sure, I'm sure every listener has had an experience, like you said, with sales for better or worse. Um, but can you give us an example of maybe how you present it for people that is different so that people can really understand what that looks and what that hears like, or yeah, hears like <laughs> what that sounds like when it is not this like icky sales script where people automatically get defensive and you feel like you're going to walk away with, you know, like, like you said, something you don't even need, don't even want. Like what about what, what aspects of the conversation do look intentionally different? Yeah. So I, I'll share a little bit about the objection part because I feel like that's something that a lot of people always want to know. And, um, you know, it's so natural in the conversation that it's going to happen. So for anybody listening, just know that, just expect it. Like objections are completely normal. And I do find that that's kind of where the conversation really does start because, you know, things come up that may have not come up in the conversation before. So for me, if it, if I get like the objection of, um, you know, it might not work for me, then I'll, I'll ask them like, what part of it do you feel like won't work? Like, because really the only way for something not to work is if you don't work, if you don't show up, right? Cause you're not responsible for your clients, like you're responsible to them, but it's really like asking those deeper questions, even if it's something like, um, if they don't want to go with it, it's asking them, well, what would your plan be if you don't go ahead with this? What would it look like? What would life look like? What would your business look like? What would it look like if you walked away today or, you know, took in the time to think about it and you said no, because they're not really saying no to you. They are saying no to themselves. And um, so asking them, well, what would that look like? And whatever they say, you can ask that question um, as a follow-up question. And then ask. you can just simply say, well, if that's what it's going to look like, wouldn't it make sense for us to do this? wouldn't it make sense for us to go ahead and be able to do A, B, C, and D? Like everything that you would propose in your, um, or everything that you provide or facilitate in the transformation in your container. So even just something as simple as that is, well, what would you do if not? Like, what would that look like? And then just stating, well, wouldn't it make sense for us to do this? And then kind of go back into the, the trial close of asking them, well, you know, I'm kind of ready when you're ready type of thing. And so that would be one thing that um, I would do different and really just understanding where the fear is coming from. Like if someone says that they need to think about it, 
I'm all for that. Like another big misconception is people think that if they don't close on the call that they're going to lose that sale forever. So they're going to do everything. So you need to do everything in your power, AKA that manipulation to get them to say yes. And, you know, sometimes we're all different buyers. Like we all have to think about it and not all of us have to think about it, but, um, I know I'm that person that wants to think about it. So I honor when other people say that, or they want to talk to their spouse. And even just as a follow-up question is, you know, I'm a shared household too. And I run everything by my husband too. Like, you know, even asking like, what if he says no, or does he know that you're seeking help and just trying to understand where they're, where they're at in the conversation. Um, and just honestly, just being genuinely curious of, what they really need to think about, how they make their decisions. And is it a yes or a no? Like, do they trust you or do they not kind of thing, right? So really being able to understand the the underlining fear of the objection. So interesting. For people who also are not in sales listening in, can you walk us through, is there like a sort of, I know, I know we talked about, okay, Icky, some scripts can feel super icky. Is there a certain script or framework or something that you start off with or that you do follow that is not icky? <laughs> and yeah. that like it, what is sort of the um, order of operations, so to speak, that that you do? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I can walk you through, I have an eight step, it might sound like a lot, but an eight step process <laughs> of a sales conversation. And the beginning part is one of the most important part because typically a prospect is going to know if they want to work with you within the first few seconds or minutes of the conversation. So in the beginning, it's so important to build massive rapport. And I don't say massive lightly, like it, you, you want to do your homework before you get on the call with clients, like check, check out their Instagram, check out their Facebook. Do they have pets? Do they have a family? Do they have kids? Like know them as a human <laughs> and stalk know them. them as a, yes, <laughs> basically creep them and stalk them a little bit. And, and, and I find that in that conversation, it's like, Oh wow. Like this person actually took the time to investigate me basically. Like, and, and it's also being able to provide that common ground in the beginning of the conversation. Like, Hey, I saw that you have a pet, like so cute. I have a dog too, or whatever. Like not, I don't, but <laughs> if you did, you relate to them. But, um, or you have kids, like what are their names? How old are they? Like people love talking about themselves and you're building that connection because at the end, they're not buying the mechanics of coaching. They're not buying the 60 minute calls with you. They're buying you as that individual to help them pave that path. And you guys are going to be spending a lot of time together. So it's important to, you know, make sure you guys like jive, like you're going to be spending that time. And so um, I go through building the rapport and then um, I'll ask some questions like what their goals are, what their vision is and um, kind of like awaken the problem a little bit and trying to understand what they're really after. So, you know, some of my clients are like, well, I want to hit 5k months or 10k months. Okay. But why, like, why do you want to hit that? <laughs> like, what's the real reason? Cause money is not going to be what makes you jump out of bed every morning. And so once I've kind of gone through the, the part of awakening their problem, understanding where they're at, I go into the visualization, like, what would you want things to, um, like look like what what would this look like how what kind of impact would it have on your business and life if you achieved a b and c and really understanding like the impact phase on what the problem is and then also what the solution would what what kind of impact would both of them give to you 
once you've awakened like the problem and then you go into the solution, you want to start asking them, um, well, you can after from there actually can go into presenting your offer, but you want to be able to like present your offer the whole time and being able to relate to them. So if they had said something like, um, you know, I'm struggling to book clients, you know, you know, one of my clients struggled with that and I completely get it or I struggled with that. So I understand where you're at and how it feels. Um, one big thing that I do that I don't know that other people do have never experienced this myself on um, any and in, in coaching sales calls or conversations is um, really, really acknowledging how well they've actually done and really asking them well, what are your wins so far? What have you achieved? Because most of the time we don't really give ourselves that permission to enjoy how far we've actually come because we're too busy looking at the gap. And so I always have them highlight what they've done. And I will say, well, that's amazing. You've done all of this. So what you really need is just a little bit of help to close that gap you already got this, right? So you're giving them that motivation, that empowerment, because they do, like they, they don't need a coach. It's more of, you know, it's nice to have being able to pave that path and have somebody in your corner for um, the accountability and the empowerment. So that's one thing that I do that is also different. I haven't seen or heard people really talk about that is I just acknowledge how well they've actually done almost in the way of like I'm selling them not to sign up with me (laughs) and letting them know like you only have a little gap to close but I can I can totally help you and then we can go from there kind of thing so I think it's important to highlight their wins and not just allow them to wallow in like their fears and their doubts of how far they still have to go Mm -hmm. I think that's so cool that you do that and definitely so important and so impactful and I can relate to that myself just as someone who has been on the receiving end of sales calls where people you can you can hang up the phone and feel really crappy about yourself we're just like wow like I feel like now I need to spend ten thousand dollars to be the person that I want to be and you're just like wow this is the pits like and that it it almost makes you feel guilt tripped into signing up Mm -hmm. for something and then it's confusing and then it's hard and then it's it just makes everything more awkward more frustrating and not as much of a fun journey of transformation as it could or should otherwise be. So that's also interesting too, and kind of segues beautifully into the fact that you do work with mindset as well. So I love that there was like a positive affirmation that you ensure you're throwing into your calls. Can you walk us through the connection between marketing and mindset? Because I know from being in it, my being in marketing myself that they really go hand in hand. Yes. But I feel like they're, like you said, they're surprisingly not always presented as being directly correlated. So walk us through what you see as like the connections between the two. Yeah. So I definitely do agree. I, they're, they're two peas in a pod. Like it's, it's what, what ends up happening. And I've seen this in so many of my clients and I, I've even been there myself where I felt like there was just something missing. Like I was on the hunt for a secret sauce for a secret blueprint to, you know, get me to my goal as fast as possible. Um, and sometimes I wish there was, <laughs> but there isn't, you gotta, it's, it's the journey. And, um, uh, and, and what I see often is that most people always end up feeling like their business is the one that needs fixing. So maybe they have some foundation it's, and, and we live in a world of information. There's no shortage of it. And 
you know, I find that with coaching, it's really how can I take this information and customize it to me, to my business. And so what I often see is, you know, people try one thing and they're on, they're on this like strategy bandwagon and it's they always feel like the business is the one that needs fixing and it's the business's fault but really it's a you problem right and it's really being able to align yourself to what feels good because there's there's no one strategy there are a million strategies and it's not like one post is going to blow up your business or that one freebie or um that one story it's an accumulation of everything in your consistent efforts. And so with me and like with my clients that I work with, it's they're they feel like, or they felt like something was missing. And most of the time it, it, the answers are always internal, right? Nobody can tell you. And I thought in the beginning, one of my like pivotal learning curves was where a client was like, yeah, I want to change my niche. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, let's do that. Right. But then I'm like, wait, wait, wait why do you want to do that? Right. And so it's not being able to enable your clients, you want to empower them. And so I found that, you know, sometimes people will just agree and do something, but not challenge them. So I started challenging my clients and saying things that they might hate me for, but I'm going to say it because no one else is going to tell you this. So I'm, you know, doing my due diligence to make sure that I'm empowering you. So um, I, I, so to kind of put that all together is most of the times, and I think with entrepreneurship, it's more of a self-discovery, a spiritual type of journey because there's no end destination. There's no gold medal. There's nothing waiting for you at the end. Like there is no end, right? It's a life process. It's a journey and it's who you become in that. And so with my, with my clients, I really work on, okay, so you want to do this and then, you know, you're all of a sudden you do it once and it's not working, but let's kind of go back into the energy. What did you do being a little bit more specific? So I decided to marry the two together because no strategy is going to work if you're not behind it or your mindset's not there. That's all so fascinating. Ah, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I love it. What do you think is the biggest thing holding women back, especially in business as entrepreneurs in marketing themselves in working on their mindset um, to really go from a place of surviving to thriving. Cause I love what you just said about how there is no end destination and it's this continuous ongoing, never ending journey of self discovery really. So in that thought process, if there's a threshold between, all right, I'm just getting by, I'm barely surviving versus I am working on my mindset, I'm working on myself, I am learning new strategies and working on my marketing strategy or my sales strategy, whatever, what's kind of like the biggest thing you've seen that maybe takes people from that point A of, I'm just surviving here, to that point B of like, all right, I'm I'm on my journey, I'm not at the end destination, but I'm thriving. Mm, that's such a great question. The there's so many things that I want to say to this. So um, the, the the thing that I found the biggest difference was aligning yourself to the vibration, like really, like truly being that energetic match. And I know it's not a quite like an answer that people love to hear because they want something that's like tangible or something that's like secret, but really it's 
really taking a look at your business and looking at what you are doing and what are the day-to-day things that you're doing that are draining you and what are the day-to-day things that are actually fulfilling you and when you go and do something are you doing it from the intention of lack or are you doing it from the intention of like this is what my heart is saying that I want to share and because there's so much power in the in the energy of like when you get that person, you get that inspiration rather than let me just hop on Instagram, get some inspiration from other people. And then now I'm going to feel like crap and I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to go on a walk so I can feel better and then I'll come back and work on my business. So um, I, I found that the biggest thing is really knowing what you want and if you're and doubling down on one thing, like you don't have to do 10 different strategies and spread yourself thin. It's see what's working and kind of taking that path of least resistance and being able to um, double down on that one strategy that just fills you up and it feels good. And being able to um, align yourself to what it is that you're truly asking for. So sometimes if we feel like we're doing all of the things and it's not working, go and examine your energy, your mind. Are you constantly doing and, and how often are you giving yourself that space and time to be, to be creative, to be in your own energy and just to be open to receiving without having to feel like you're, you have to do a million things. It's a, it, it, it's, it's a balance. It's definitely like an art and a science of, of the two. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up too. We actually, we talked about that on a previous episode, but it was in the context of fitness, which is hilarious because I think it's so relevant, literally regardless of what field you are in in life, but just the idea of rest and how, like mm. if you're a bodybuilder or you're trying to build muscle, you cannot just keep going, 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 going you will hurt yourself. You will not help yourself. Like rest is such a crucial, crucial part of the plan. And I think you're absolutely right. If you don't give yourself that time and space to step back and receive and reflect, you're not helping anybody, let alone yourself. So having that time is, is like a (laughs) non-negotiable. Totally. And I love that you use that fitness example. Cause one of the things that I always say, um, is you can't work out for six hours a day and expect to get results. Like your muscles actually grow when you rest, right? So it, and, and it goes the same for everything. Like you have to take that time to be and rest and, you know, absorb and internalize everything that you are learning and have it go through your filter and, you know, then show up and share your thoughts on it. Yes. Okay. So drop us some tips on pricing yourself for all of the entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs in the house. You've created this product or you have this service and it's awesome. What's your strategy for putting a price tag on it? Ooh. um, So I have a few different methods that I teach my clients kind of depending on where they're at in their journey. I would say the biggest thing is is the price on transformation because you're not most people price on what they feel like they're worth. And, you know, we're, we're priceless. You can't put a price on yourself. And it's really taking that, okay, one thing that a lot of, especially new coaches, what they kind of forget is all of the experience they had before. All of, for some reason, all of that gets dismissed and it doesn't, it's not even considered in their pricing process. And the biggest tip I would say is, think back on all of the, like your experience and think back on uh, 
you know, what, what transformation are you facilitating? What will your ideal clients gain and what will they save by investing from you and in you and being able to price on that transformation. So if you're taking somebody from, you know, $0 to $5,000 or $10,000 or, you know, whatever it is, somebody that's going to be making, you know, if they're making 5,000, 60 K a year or whatever it is, they're more likely going to invest three, $4,000, right? It's kind of like being that no brainer price because the ROI is so much greater. And so um, I, I would just make a list of, okay, what are all of the things that I have achieved? Why am I qualified to teach this? Where are my ideal clients currently? Where will they be after? And then look at the transformation, how is their life, their business, uh, relationships, everything going to improve after we're done working together? Because it's not just at the end of the container, they're going to have this for the rest of their life. And so Mm -hmm. that's definitely something to really consider. Um, And so one thing you can do is like a three tier pricing model, which um, definitely something I do suggest for newer entrepreneurs is, you know, for the first I don't know, four clients or for the first three months, you can do a price that you feel because you've got to also energetically be behind your price. You don't want to undervalue and feel like you're working for free and, you know, not energetically show up, but you also want to make sure that you're energetically compensated for the amount of time that you're investing in your, in your clients. So, you know, you can, you can kind of increase your prices like every three months or every time you book a batch of clients. And so throughout, you know, three months or six months, you have involved as a person, your brand has involved, and then your prices are going to evolve as well. So I just really suggest not slapping a price on what you think you're worth, but really on the transformation and incrementally increasing from there as you, you know, get more experience and you really understand the true transformation that the tangible transformation you'll be able to provide your clients. Mm-hmm. Well, building off of that, how can folks go about valuing their offering differently than pricing it? If that makes sense, because I, th- I know we always see, oh, you're getting this package and it's valued at $50,000, but today you will only pay $2,000. <laughs> like, and people I'm sure always look at that and go, okay, did you just like pull a number out of your butt for <laughs> the value there? So what's kind of your thought process or your strategy or science behind that differentiation in price points where you've got one where you're like, all right, this is what it's valued at, but then this is what you're going to pay. Yeah. So that's a good question. So one thing that I would, what I would do is um, never obviously price by hour, but you want to know what your hour, hourly rate is. And so then that way, when you're, you're, kind of creating that entire value of this is what the total would be. So if, you know, find out what the, um, what you're worth per hour, and then think about if you were to, I don't know, you have an array of spreadsheets that are going to give your clients this transformation, like the clarity, everything that you're going to walk them through. Like if you were to sell those individually, like what would you kind of price that at? And it's really hard to be like, this is worth this much. Um, So sometimes it's more kind of of, um, evaluating what you feel like it would be worth based on the transformation and clarity it would give them. So if I'm selling something like pricing your offers individually, then I know that might be worth X amount, like 55 bucks, like as an example. But 
it's really being able to look at what you're worth per hour or what your hourly rate is. And if you were to sell everything individually, what kind of price point would that look like? And then kind of adding it all up. And then obviously we don't price per hour um, and you're kind of pricing by time. And one thing that I do is track my time. So if I'm doing Voxer, um, how long do I spend on Voxer? How long do I spend on client reviews? Um, material reviews or anything like that. And so then that now becomes, okay, so I've spent a few hours on that. My hourly rate is X amount. So then that would add up to this. So it's really just knowing um, how much time you're spending on certain tasks and being able to put that together. That's awesome. So since you kind of, you, you do pricing, you do mindset, all of this, do you have any favorite, do you, or do you do any sort of like money mindset affirmations or just like your favorite resources or anything for because I feel like so much of pricing is also pricing yourself I should say is also very much directly correlated to your personal money mindset mm -hmm. so if someone's sitting there and they're like dude I have no idea what I'm worth I have no idea what my time is worth I have no like is it 50 bucks is it 100 bucks who knows like it feels so arbitrary is there anything that you like to say to yourself or that you encourage your clients to say to kind of you know, feel more like a badass or like raise, raise your vibe as they say with, with, with how you're approaching your own value and you're actually putting a price tag on your services. Yeah. One thing that, um, I know when I, when I was starting out and I had a little bit of that imposter feel of, wow, who the heck is going to pay me this much to kind of hang out with me? Cause that's essentially what's happening. And I, I would always say the transformation of, I provide a service or I facilitate a transformation that my ideal clients need and want that will improve their life. And so I kind of just like repeat anything that comes up, like I am a money magnet, like, or I am providing a service my ideal clients need and want. And I'll just kind of repeat that to myself. And, um, uh, one thing that I added on to that was if the inner, if, if I feel anything less than, then it is my fear speaking and it's not my truth. So, so that's one thing good. I would say on repeat. Mm -hmm. I want people to mentally underline that too, because our fears and our doubts are there to keep us quote unquote safe. <laughs> and it's like your fight or flight situation in your brain is kicking in. And if you start going into something that feels uncomfortable, of course your brain is going to go, whoa, whoa, baby. Like that's, eh, you sure about that? Like, and it's not necessarily meaning that you are not worth what you're trying to do or that you shouldn't do what you've got your sights set on. It's coming from a place of like, you're venturing into new territory. So don't write yourself off or don't write your product or your service or your idea off just because it feel has a little bit of doubt or a little bit of fear associated with it right now. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to be willing to sit with that and explore it and push through it. Yes, absolutely. And because it, it's really just, yeah, your fear trying to yank you back into your comfort zone because it's a defense mechanism. It's a, it keeps you safe. And that's all that, you know, it's designed to do that. And it's really going through and repeating, uh, you know, I am one thing that I always get my clients to do actually is when they, when they do increase their pricing is I have them repeat it to themselves, like say it in the mirror, like continue saying it to yourself until it just rolls off of your tongue and it becomes easy to say. Um, so that's one thing that I would suggest anyone to do is if they're going through that increase, it's just like repeating it, but just know that it's always your fear that's coming up and trying to keep you safe and it's not ever 
your truth speaking. So for a girl listening right now who has a big goal in her head or a big dream on her heart, one that she fears is too big, what would you want her to know? Ooh, I would say dream bigger. <laughs> dream bigger. If it, it's, if it scares you, then that's good. And I always say that if, if you desire it, it desires you back. And it's, it, I find that no goal is, you know, too big. Obviously there's no time frame to achieve it. Like say that that's what you're working towards and work backwards. But for anyone that, you know, feels like this, they have this astronomical goal that they're trying to go after, just know that it's possible for you and know that it wants you back as much as you want it. So just keep it at your forefront and continue doing what you need to do to get there. Awesome. And on that note, <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, thank you so much for being on Thrive. I want to get your take on a question that I ask everyone who comes on Thrive, and that is, what does Thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life? Ooh, Thrive to me, that's a good question. So for me, I would say it's it's balance it's being able to have that yin and the yang right like being able to like know when to push and know when to pull and be able to incorporate balance in everyday life because if you're not enjoying it what's the point right and i find when you bring the fun and joy into everything that you do like you truly do thrive internally and then your outer world just starts matching that as well. So for me, it's, it's that inside out type of job. (laughs) Um, I would say enjoy all of the moments and just incorporate fun into everything that you do. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Christina. It's been so fun chatting. Tell everyone where they can find you online if they want to connect with you more. Yeah. So I am on Instagram. My handle, it's Christina Cernez. I guess it will be in the, in the show notes. Um, but that's where I hang out. Come say hi. Let me know that you came from the Thrive podcast. I would just love to say hi and celebrate you. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out. If you like what you just listened to and come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.